Well, saints, now we come to a very precious outline, I feel. Uh, I think maybe this meeting will be a little shorter. We'll just see how it goes. I mean, on my side. <laughs> we'll just see how it goes. Uh, but I think the outline is very precious, and I hope the points really get into us as we read them together. Uh, you can see the title is Taking the Lead to Stand on the Unique Ground of the Church, to be under the limitation of the body of Christ, and to be body conscious in one accord. In one accord. Okay, Roman number one says, We must take the lead to stand on the unique ground of the church, the genuine ground of oneness. We spoke a little bit about the ground of the church in a previous meeting. But we have to take the lead to stand on the unique ground of the church, the genuine ground of oneness. There are, I'm really burdened because I feel there are so many saints among us who maybe not, maybe not be that clear about the ground of the church. And so we need to be clear so that we can help others be clear about what the ground of the church really is. What is the ground of the church? I still remember um, we had a turmoil in 19, around 1988, and, and Benson and I were together with Don Looper. I forget who else was there. Maybe Ray Graver was there. Maybe Elton was there. But Don Looper just made this statement. You know, certain ones, gifted ones, they were, they, they were creating turmoil and leaving the recovery. And Don Looper just, Don Looper's with the Lord now. We really love Brother Don very much. He just made this statement, this rhetorical question. He said, what about the ground of the church? What about the ground of the church? In other words, uh, even, if the th- even if the things were true, which they weren't true, but even if they were true, you can't leave the church because there's only one church. Right? And there's only one expression of the church in each city. You have no choice. So what about the ground of the church? Uh, if the church makes mistakes, you still have to meet with the church. What if you're in the church in Corinth? Corinth was a mess. What are you going to do? Migrate to Pergamos? Pergamos is where Satan's throne is. And what are you going to do in Pergamos? You're going to go to Ephesus? They, they left their first love. You have no choice, right? It's always, the grass is always greener on the other side. But you say, oh, I'm going to migrate here. I'm going to go to this church. I'm, going to, I'm not going to have any problems here. Well, you go from the frying pan to the fire. Listen, the Lord has ordained one church for one city so that He could transform us too. So that we could be transformed. We need transformation. We have no choice. There is one church for one city, one city with only one church. And there's only one church in this universe, and that one church in this universe, that one body of Christ, is expressed locally as local, as local churches, is expressed in oneness. Now, um, A says this, uh, well, let me just, let me just, you know, I read this to the brothers, to the leading ones, And I thought this was very precious before I read A. You know, if someone asks you, what church do you belong to? What church do you belong to? Have you ever had that asked to you? What church do you belong to? And you just go, uh, 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 uh. 
Well, uh, here's what you can say. If the, person, <laughs> if the person is a believer and they say, what church do you belong to? You can say, I belong to the same church you belong to. Amen. How about that? Isn't that true? I belong to the same church that all believers belong to. And this is what I would like to read to you. This is from the ground of the church. We have a booklet called The Ground of the Church that I would encourage all of you to buy and to read. Whether you've read it before, I would encourage you to reread it. To reread it. Uh, here's what it says here. It says, We must come out of the divisions, not to form another division, but to come back to the proper ground, the ground of unity. There is no reason for us to be divided. We are all members of the one unique church. Why not simply come together with the believers in the locality where we live to be an expression of that church? It is so simple in the Bible. It is not complicated. You know, I said before, in the Bible, there's no Methodist, there's no Presbyterian, there's no African Methodist Episcopal, there's no Chinese Taiwan church. Uh, there's, there's just the one church. And we are believers in Christ, right? And it's so simple. And John the Baptist was not a Southern Baptist. He was a baptizer, right? It's John the baptizer. There's just believers in Christ. There's just Christians, Christ men. Isn't that simple? So the booklet goes on to say, let us not be complicated and confused by Christianity. We have to pay the price to take this way, brothers and sisters. When we, when we stand on the ground of the church and we declare, we're, this isn't a name, right? This is a description of who we are. We're the church. We're the church with all the believers. We're the church. We happen to be in London, so we're the church in London. We're the church in London. And saints, when we make that stand, what we are declaring is that we choose to love all our brothers and sisters in the Lord on this earth. We choose to love all the brothers. Now, Brother Nee made a statement. He said this, just because you choose to love all the brothers doesn't mean all the brothers will love you. But we need to choose. We need to be overcomers and choose to love all our dear brothers and sisters on the face of this whole earth. They're all members of the one church. Whether they think they are or not. Whether they think they are or not. They're members of the one church if they believe in Christ and they're regenerated. It is a shameful thing, I'll go on to ask people to what church they belong. If they are all believers, they are our brothers. That is all. I belong to the unique church and they belong to the same unique church. Now listen to this, this story. I love this story. More than, more than 35 years ago in Shanghai, of course this was written a while ago, but this happened in Shanghai. A brother with a Bible in his hand was taking the streetcar to go to a meeting. Another believer on the streetcar was distributing tracts to the passengers. And when he saw the brother with his Bible, he said, Oh, you must be a brother. The brother answered that he was indeed a brother. Then he asked him, To what church do you belong? Listen to this. The brother answered, I belong to the same church to which you belong. The same church to which the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Peter, 
the Apostle John, and Martin Luther belonged, and the same church to which all believers belong. When he heard that, he said, that would be wonderful. That would be wonderful. Then the, then the tract ends this way. Surely it is wonderful. Oh, let us all come together on the unique ground of unity to have a proper expression of this one church in the place where we live. May the Lord be merciful to us. This is a great recovery, brothers and sisters. We have come back, just like in the Old Testament. You know, in the Old Testament, uh, the children of Israel got carried away to Babylon because of their idolatry because of their sinful situation, uh, uh, the Babylonians destroyed the temple, carried the children of Israel back into captivity, back to Babylon. But eventually, eventually, they came out of that captivity. And they chose to come back to Jerusalem. Well, Jerusalem signifies the genuine ground of oneness. That's what Jerusalem signifies. Jerusalem is the only place where the temple can be built. You cannot build a temple any place but Jerusalem. So in the same way, we have to come back to the genuine ground of oneness, which is the city or locality in which we live, to build up the church as the temple of the living God on Mount Zion. Isn't that simple? That is wonderful. That is the only place we can have the reality of the body of Christ is in the local churches. So the local churches are not the goal of God's economy, but the local churches are priceless and we treasure them because they are, they are the procedure to reach the goal of God's economy, which is the builded up reality of the body of Christ on the genuine ground of oneness. Isn't that wonderful? Aren't you glad you're in the local church? And, and I'll, I'll share something in a minute here. The local church is scriptural. It is scriptural to say the local church. You know, when we say things here in the churches, we don't, we don't just imagine them. They're in the Bible. You have to check, is this in the Bible? And I'll share with you where it says the local church in a minute. Okay, now, let me read A. 1 Corinthians 1-2 speaks of the church at Corinth. This shows the locality of Corinth for the existence, expression, and practice of the church. Such a locality becomes the local ground of the local churches on which they are built respectively. Thus, the church in Corinth was built on the ground of the city of Corinth. You see that? That's very clear and very simple. So in 1 Corinthians 1-2, Paul writes to Corinth and he says to the church of God which is in Corinth. Now Corinth was a mess, right? If you read Corinthians, they had lawsuits against one another. They had immorality. They were in division. But Paul had the spiritual insight to see the divine and spiritual essence of the local church in Corinth. And he called them the church of God. The church of God at Corinth. Okay, I don't know how much to read here. But anyway, it's the church of God. And it's to those who have been sanctified in Christ Jesus, the called saints, that's us, with all those who call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ in every place. That means in the local churches, there are people who call on the name of the Lord 
in every place. Who is theirs and ours. He is their portion and He is our portion. Okay, now let me say this. There are three crucial elements of the ground of the church which I would like to share with you. Three crucial elements of the ground of the church. The first element is this. The first element is the unique oneness of the universal body of Christ. The unique oneness of the universal body of Christ. And that unique oneness of the universal body of Christ is the oneness of the Spirit according to Ephesians 4.3. So again, you have the unique oneness of the universal body of Christ, which is the oneness of the Spirit according to Ephesians 4.3. Paul says, be diligent to keep the oneness of the Spirit in the uniting bond of peace. This is a crucial element of the church ground. The oneness of the Spirit, which is the unique oneness of the universal body of Christ. Then two, and this is what we're talking about in this message, we have the unique ground of locality in which a local church is established and exists. The unique ground of locality in which a local church is established and exists. I'll say that again. The unique ground of locality in which a local church is established and exists. In other words, the ground of the church in Corinth is the city of Corinth. Is the city of Corinth. That is the unique ground of locality in which that local church is established and in which that local church exists. Now the third crucial element is this, and this is very important. It's the reality of the Spirit. The reality of the Spirit. And this is the living reality of the divine trinity. The reality of the Spirit, who is the living reality of the divine trinity. This is 1 John 5, 6, says the Spirit is the reality. John 16, 13 talks about the Spirit of reality. So again, you have the reality of the Spirit, the living reality of the divine trinity. And, and, and listen to this, by this Spirit, number one, the body of Christ becomes real and living. By this Spirit, the body of Christ becomes real and living. Two, by this Spirit, the ground of locality is applied in life and not in legality. Again, the ground of locality is applied in life and not in legality. And three, by this Spirit, the genuine ground of the church is linked with the triune God. Isn't that wonderful? So the ground of the church is very deep. Again, I say, by this Spirit, the body of Christ becomes real and living. By this Spirit, the ground of locality is applied in life and not in legality. And by this Spirit, the genuine ground of the church is linked with the triune God. You see, we apply the ground of locality in life and not in legality. What What if someone is living... Let's say my house, let's say that I live in Anaheim. This is Anaheim. But here's the, here's the street here. And right across the street is the meeting hall of the church in Cyprus. But for me to get to the meeting hall of the church in Anaheim, I have to drive for three miles. So what am I going to do? Well, what's wrong if I just go across the street? No, mail wenti. Did I say that right in Chinese? No, probably not good. No problem. 
we're just one church. Don't don't be so don't apply the the ground of the church in legality. Apply it in life by the Spirit. There's nothing wrong with me going across the street and meeting with the church in Cyprus because we're one church. You see? And it's easier for me to just walk across the street than to go three miles through through a lot of traffic to get to the meeting hall of the church in Anaheim. But, on the other hand, let's say that the elders in Anaheim, let's say that they are very legal, which they shouldn't be legal. But let's say that they are legal. And they say to this brother, Brother, you live in Anaheim. You must come to the meeting hall in Anaheim. Even though the church in Cyprus is right across the street. Well, if this brother knows the cross and knows Christ, you know what he'll do? He'll drop his preference, he'll be crucified, and he'll go to the meeting hall in Anaheim. Isn't that wonderful? Of course, the elders need to learn something, obviously, right? They shouldn't be that way. But uh, if they are that way, then, then I need to learn the lessons of the cross. And I say, okay, brothers, I'll just meet with you since I live in Anaheim. I'll go through the traffic. I'll pay $5 a gallon for, for gas. No problem. You know, in America, it's ridiculous. We pay four-something dollars for gas. Everybody's upset. How much is gas here? Huh? Twice as much, right? Twice as much. That's what I always think. I, I, I always tell my wife, so what? Look, look, look at all they pay in, in Europe for gas. We don't, forget about Why am I talking about gas? I'm sorry. But my point is, my point is, is so what? You pay the price to go. If the brothers, if the brothers have a problem, take the cross. Be crucified. Be slaughtered on the cross. And go and meet with the church in Anaheim. But on the other hand, there's no problem. If the brothers have no problem, there's no problem with you going across the street and meeting with the church in Cyprus. Because the church ground is not applied in legality. It's applied in life because we are one church. You see, this this is just marvelous to me. I just aren't you glad to be meeting in the local churches? Praise the Lord. We are on the ground of oneness. Well, we'll see more. I I can't jump ahead here. I want I want to jump ahead because I'm so I'm I get up here before I get up here I'm tired and I get up here and I get excited. Okay. Okay, in Acts 8, 1, it talks about the church which was in Jerusalem. In Acts 13, 1, listen to this, it says, Now there were in Antioch, in the local church, prophets and teachers. That's Acts 13, 1. It uses the term, in the local church. So the local church in Antioch, it is scriptural to say the local church. In the local church. Now, Revelation 1.11 says, What you see, write in a scroll and send it to the seven churches. Then right after the seven churches, it has seven cities. And, and, and I believe God's, right, God's composing of this was particular because it says to Ephesus and to Smyrna and to Pergamos and to Thyatira and to Sardis and to Philadelphia and to Laodicea. To emphasize the locality. Seven churches, seven cities. You see, one church, one city. This is, this is absolutely wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. 
So again, I think I read B. I'm sorry. The practice of the church life in the early days was the practice of having one church for one city, one city with only one church. And no city was there more than one church, which means you don't have, you didn't have a choice. You didn't have a choice. You had to go to the church in the locality in which you lived to be transformed, to be transformed, and to love all the brothers and sisters. Then one under this says, This is the local church with the city, not the street or area as the unit. Two says, The jurisdiction of a local church should cover the whole city in which the, in which the church is located. It should not be greater or lesser than the boundary of the city. Three, all the believers within that boundary should constitute the one unique local church within that city. Four, there are four characteristics of our meeting on the genuine ground of oneness, the place that God has chosen. These four characteristics are precious, saints. They're very precious. Now, Deuteronomy 12.5 says this. It says, but to the place which Jehovah your God will choose out of all your tribes to put his name, to his habitation shall you seek, and there you shall go. That was Jerusalem. I said, I said previously, Jerusalem is a type of the ground of the church. So you had no choice. You had to, you had to go to the place that Jehovah God chose out of all the tribes to put his name and to put his habitation. There shall you seek, and there shall you go. Now, A says this. A says, first, the people of God should always be one. There should be no divisions among them. No divisions among them. Saints, Psalm 133 says, Behold, how good! How good! How good! How good! How pleasant! How pleasant! How pleasant! It doesn't say very good, very pleasant. It says how good. That means there's no ceiling on the goodness. See that? How good. How pleasant it is. Just consider this weekend how good it's been. How pleasant it's been for brothers to dwell together in oneness. It is like the precious ointment upon the head of Aaron, right? That ran down upon his beard and spread down to his skirts. It's like the dew descending from Mount Hermon. And here we have the blessing of life forevermore. Saints, we would not be enjoying the Lord's blessing if we were not standing on the ground of oneness. Why is the Bible open to us? It's not because we're anything special. It's because we're standing on the ground of oneness. That's the reason. So we enjoy the spreading ointment. That's the spreading spirit. We enjoy the descending dew. That's the descending grace of God with the mercy of Christ. And we enjoy the blessing of life. That is the blessing of God the Father. So you have the spreading ointment of the Spirit, the descending dew of the Son, and the blessing of life of the Father. You enjoy the entire triune God on the genuine ground of oneness. Absolutely wonderful. Now in John 17, 11, and 21 and 23, we have the Lord's Prayer for the oneness of His people. Brothers and sisters, what we are doing here is an is we are in the process 
of the Lord answering his prayer in John 17. He prayed a prayer for the oneness of his children in John 17. And then he went to the cross and died and resurrected to answer that prayer. And so we are in the, we are in the, the fulfillment of that prayer. That prayer is being fulfilled among us. We are greatly privileged. I don't know. I mean, why the Lord chose us, we don't know. But, but we're here and it's just the Lord's mercy we're here. It's just, it's just the Lord's mercy. One time, Brother Lee asked the saints, he said, why are you here, brother? Why are you here? And the brothers all asked the answer. They all had different answers. And then finally he said, brother, you're here because of the Lord's mercy. That's the only reason. That's the only reason. So here we are in the Lord's mercy. We're in the answer to the Lord's prayer in John 17. In John 17, 11, the Lord says, I am no longer in the world, yet they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name which you have given to me, that they may be one even as we are. That they may be one even as we are. So listen to this. Only those who have the Father's life can participate in the Father's name. Right? My Father has a certain name. Right? So the only way I can participate in His name is I have to have His life. So we are one in the Father's life. We all have the same life in this room. Now, now brother, what is your name? Emmanuel. Emmanuel, come here. Here, I'll help you. Don't worry. You won't fall. Here, come here. Come here. And look at Emmanuel. He and I are twins. Praise the Lord. We have the same life. I don't have to shrink. Amen. We're brothers. Amen. We have the same Father. Amen. God is our Father. Amen. Thank you, Emmanuel. Amen. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, Brian. Wonderful. So we're one in His life. Now, uh, we have to go on to John 17, 21-23. This is, now, this is remarkable. I want you to follow this. Verse 21 says this, that they all may be one. Then it describes what the oneness is. That they all may be one, even as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us. Wow! That they all may be one, even as you, Father, are in me. This is how I want them to be one. Just like you, Father, are in me, and I am in you, that they also may be in us. What, you know, I've written this on the board before, but you've got this us here, right? Oh, wait, this, let me try this. You've got this, that they also may be in us. In us. And this is they. That they also may be in us. This day is us. This day is us, right? This is another us. This is the, this us is the triune God. But that they also may be in us. Then, when we get into this us, this us gets enlarged and becomes an us like this. Wow! 
all of us are in this us to become this us. So saints, listen to this statement. What is the oneness of the body of Christ? The oneness of the body of Christ is the enlarged oneness of the divine trinity. Here's the oneness of the divine trinity right here. That, 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 that they all may be one, even as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us. You see? That they also may be in us. And then that us becomes enlarged to become the enlarged. This they in us becomes this us. You see the point? And so this they in us becomes the enlarged oneness of the divine trinity. So the oneness of the body of Christ is the enlarged oneness of the divine trinity. Now what? That's enough to make you just fall on your face and worship God. This is being answered among us. And, and, and brothers and sisters, um, okay, let me just say this. Uh, if you look at John 17, 17, now, now here I want to say this first. Every day, now subjectively, I'm going to talk about our subjective experience now. This is the fact. We'll talk about the fact first. Now let's talk about our subjective experience. Every day, we need, we need to make a move out of ourselves, out of ourself, out of ourself, and we need to move into this us. Move out of your old lodging place into your new lodging place. Your new lodging place is the triune God. How do we make this move? John seventeen seventeen is how we make this move. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. When we get into the word, just like Ephesians five twenty six, and we allow the word to sanctify us, we are not only separated unto God, we are separated into God. Isn't that wonderful? So we are sanctified by the triune God and we move out of ourselves our old lodging place into the, into the triune God, our new lodging place. You see? And with ourself, ourself, I mentioned this in a previous session, our self is composed of worldliness, ambition, self-exaltation, and opinions and concepts. This is, what, this is what we have in our old man. Worldliness, ambition, self-exaltation, and opinions and concepts. But in this us, there's no worldliness. There's no ambition. There's no self-exaltation. And there's no opinions and concepts. So when we get sanctified in the truth and His Word is truth, we are becoming this great us. And, and this us is the me in Acts 9.5. Where Paul said, where, where the Lord said to Paul, Saul of Tarsus, why are you persecuting me? You see, that's the corporate Christ. That is this us. Me, uh, I better not go too far. This is this. It's it's absolutely fantastic. Okay, now 
He goes on, he says, And the glory which you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one. Saints, how is the triune God one? The oneness of the triune God is a oneness of coherence. It's a oneness of persons indwelling one another, which you can't, I can't get three brothers up here and demonstrate because they can't get in one another, right? So, uh, it's a oneness of persons indwelling one another. It's a oneness of incorporation. The Father and the Son are in the Spirit. The Spirit's in the Father and in the Son. The Father's in the Son. The Son's in the Father. They're all in one another. And we are in them and they are in us. And now that's a huge us. And eventually that us is the reality of the body of Christ consummating in the new Jerusalem. And this is what's happening in the local churches. We are becoming the great us, the new Jerusalem. Okay, let me see where I am. Okay, 1 Corinthians 1.10 says that we should all speak the same thing. Saints, isn't it a glory that in this conference, just think, we all speak the same thing. There have been people that have come, this one brother uh, came among us. Uh, he used to be an opposer, but now he's a friend of, the, I would say he's a friend of the local churches. And he just said, how do you do this? How do, how do you arrange this? Someone shares and then everybody gets up to the mic and they speak the same thing. What is this? Where, what, is, what kind of place is this? Isn't that wonderful? Isn't it wonderful to speak the same thing? And, and be attuned in the same mind and in the same opinion. Just, just absolutely wonderful. Okay, now let's come to the second characteristic, B. Second, the unique name into which God's people should gather. Okay, let me, let me just, let me just back up a little bit before I read B. You know, everyone can tell if we're one. If you're one, the whole world will believe. It says the world will believe. And listen, when the brothers are one, I still remember the, after Brother Lee went to be with the Lord, the co-workers were all sitting together over here. And this sister stood up at the mic, you know, it was time for testimonies. And she was very pure. And she said, look, saints, and she pointed at us co-workers. She said, look, the brothers are one. The brothers are one. You can tell when, you can tell when the brothers are one. Am I right? You can tell when the saints love one another and when, the bro- and when the brothers and sisters are one. Just like in this room right now, we are all one. We are one in the Father's life. We are one in His sanctifying Word. And we are one in the divine glory. And the glory of the triune God is the expression of the triune God. That means we don't have different expressions. We have one expression, and that expression is is the expression of the triune God. Now, B says, second, the unique name into which God's people should gather is the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the reality of which name is the Spirit. To be designated by any other name is to be denominated or divided. This is spiritual fornication. 
You see, it's very serious to take another name. If someone is Mrs. Smith and she calls herself Mrs. Jones, that's terrible. You see that? We're, we're The church, I'm, I made this statement, the church belongs to Christ. We're, we're espoused to Christ. We're going to marry Christ. We're Mrs. Christ. We only take the name of Christ. Amen. If I take another name, in God's eyes, that's spiritual fornication. Amen. You see the point? So it's very serious to take another name. Now that doesn't mean we go around and we condemn people for taking other names. We love all of our brothers. You know, it's just the Lord's mercy that we have this light. But we want to shepherd people and love people and pray for them. Amen. Right? So that they can come into the recovery. I really mean it. Eventually, everybody's going to come this way because we're all going to be this for eternity. (laughs) Okay. C. Third, in the New Testament, God's habitation, His dwelling place, is particularly located in our spirit. That is, in our mingled spirit. Our human spirit regenerated and indwelt by the divine spirit. In our meeting for the worship of God, we must exercise our spirit and do everything in the spirit. Saints, exercise your spirit. Exercise your spirit. You know, um, one time I asked Brother Lee, you know, just like the church in London and the churches on the earth, we have prophesying in the district meetings for the building up of the body of Christ where everyone prophesies, everyone comes with something. And uh, Brother Lee said to me, he goes, you know what, I'm very concerned that the prophesying in Anaheim is becoming a form, you know, F-O-R-M, a form, a religious form. And I said, Brother Lee, what should we do? How can we get out of this? And he said something I'll never forget. He said, Ed, anything without the exercise of the Spirit is a form. You see, so when you speak, when you, whatever you do, especially when you speak, you come to the microphone or you speak on the Lord's Day or you speak in a vital group, exercise your spirit. Amen. I always say, if you're going to go down in flames, go down in flames exercising your spirit. Amen. Really, exercise your spirit. If you get, that's, not, that's the number one thing in speaking for the Lord. If you get everything wrong, if you get things wrong, you get your facts mixed up, if you exercise your spirit, people will get something. Amen. They will get something. You know, my wife said to me, I made a mistake in my speaking yesterday. I said I went to the department store and got steak and eggs. And you can't get steak and eggs at the department store, right? So I said, oh, Lord Jesus, I made a mistake. You know? <laughs> Thank the Lord for the wives, right? <laughs> and all the brothers said amen. They didn't even care. You know what I mean? They didn't care. <laughs> that was a fatigue factor. That was what that was. Okay, but anyway, saints, exercise your spirit. Always exercise your spirit. And we have patterns of people who exercise their spirit. Romans 8.16 says, The Spirit Himself witnesses with our spirit that we are children of God. This is the, the Spirit being mingled with our spirit is the key and the secret to God's organic salvation. It's the key. Just think if I gave you a nice car, a nice, 
They still make Rolls Royces in England, right? Just think, Emmanuel, if I gave you a Rolls Royce, would you be happy? <laughs> you could always sell it and give the money to the church, you know what I mean, if you want to do that, you know what I mean? Okay, but anyway, let's say, let's say, let's pretend you're happy, okay? Okay. So you're happy. But I give you the Rolls Royce, but I said, I have the key. You can't have the key. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know about that. I think you might still want it. But what, 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 what could you do? You could honk the horn. You could, you could sleep in the car, right? I left it unlocked for you. Right? So you could, you could kick the tires. But you can't, you can't drive the car. Listen. The way we drive the Rolls Royce of God's economy is by our mingled spirit. Room. Oh, I love 2 Timothy 4.22, saints. The last words of the Apostle Paul, his last words. The Lord be with your spirit. Grace be with you. That's his, that's his dying words to Timothy. The Lord be with your spirit. Grace be with you. So we have to exercise our spirit to enjoy Christ as the presence of grace in our spirit. Enjoy Him as the presence of grace in our spirit. Listen to this statement. Our highest enjoyment and experience is that the Lord is with our spirit. This is our highest enjoyment. This is our highest experience is that the Lord is with our spirit. This is versus the degradation of the church. Okay, fourth, in our worship, the fourth uh, characteristic is that in our worship of God, we must have a genuine application of the cross of Christ signified by the altar in the book of Deuteronomy. By rejecting the flesh, the self, and the natural life, and by worshiping God with Christ and Christ alone. And Christ alone. Now you put all of this together on the ground of the church. Everything we do is through the cross. You see, our natural man, our flesh, our self, our natural life is all crossed out. We do everything through the cross. We do everything by the Spirit, with the exercise of the Spirit. We do everything to dispense Christ into one another. Remember in one of the first meetings, we pointed out that God's only goal it's to dispense Christ into us day by day. Amen. That is His only goal. So it's through the cross, by the Spirit, to dispense Christ into one another for the building up of the body of Christ, which is the preparation of the bride of Christ. Okay, those are, aren't those four characteristics wonderful, saints? Amen. Absolutely wonderful. Okay, Roman numeral 2 says, As members of the body of Christ... Standing on the genuine ground of oneness, we must take the lead to be limited by the other members, not going beyond our measure. Take the lead to be limited by the other members, not going beyond our measure. A says, God has placed all the members of the body even as He willed. So it's God's will. Your place in the body is God's will for you. Listen to what Watchman Nee said. This is absolutely wonderful. This is a quote from Brother Watchman Nee. He said, If we truly see our position in the body, it will be as though we were saved a second time. How about that? 
if we truly see our position in the body, it will be as though we were saved a second time. Saints, if you see your place in the body, you're so free to just just be who you are in the body. You don't have to compare yourself with other members. You don't have to say, oh, I need to be like this, this brother. I need to be like this sister. No, just be who you are in Christ in the body. The body needs your function. The body needs your portion. The body needs your measure. You see this? But we have to stay within our measure and not go beyond our measure. Now one says, the head sets us in our special place in the body and points us to our special function. Points us to our special function. Now, in 1 Corinthians 12, 15 through 17, uh, listen to what it says here. It says, if the foot should say, Paul is comparing our physical body to the body of Christ. The body of Christ is a reality. Actually, our physical body is a picture of the body of Christ. So Paul says this. He says, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not of the body, it is not that because of this, it is not of the body. If the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body, it is not that because of this, it is not of the body. If the whole body were an eye, just think if my whole body was an eye, everybody would run out of the building. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were the hearing, where would the smelling be? So, saints, listen listen to this. Now, I'm, I'm going to read it this way. If Okay. Some members say this, because I am not, dot, 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 I am not of the body. I am not of the body. Because I am not this member, I am not of the body. You see, what that means is you're comparing yourself with other members and you're despising your function. You see the point? Don't despise your function. Emmanuel, you can do things I could never do. Right? And you, yes, that's true. It's absolutely true. You can do things that I could, I could never do because you have a special place and a special function in the body. And I have a special place in the body. And I can do things that you can't do. And I'm not saying that to brag. I'm just saying that I don't know what member I am. I don't know if I'm a nose, an ear, a hand, a foot. But anyway, uh, and you know, if you're an ear and you grow in life, you don't become an eye. You just become a bigger ear. You, you fall. You just grow into your function. Okay, two. Each one of us members has our own place in the body of Christ. It is assigned by God and it should be accepted by us. Since such an assignment is according to God's will, every member is necessary. Every member is necessary. Now, in these verses in 1 Corinthians 12, it says this, 19-22, it says, The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I have no need of you. If we say, I have no need of you to any member, this means that we're proud of ourselves. This means we're full of pride. This means we think we're all-inclusive. And this means we despise others' function. You see this? We should never do this. We should never be proud. We should never think that we're all-inclusive, that we can do everything. And we should never despise others' function. You see this? This is, this is what is happening in, the, in these verses here. I think Paul covers this in a marvelous way. 
in a marvelous way. You know, one time I was in a meeting and all the saints were prophesying. And, uh, you know, some brothers are like big sprinklers. You know those big sprinklers that water the lawn? They just go, you know, and the water just goes everywhere. And then, and then, and then some other saints, they, they just, you know, the water just, but the water still comes out. You know what I mean? Don't despise that. Don't despise that. Eventually, you'll grow and it'll, it'll, you know, more water will come out, you know. But the point is that, you know, the point I'm making is in this one meeting, this brother shared and I could not understand what he was saying. He was, he was sharing and I just couldn't get what he was saying. And I didn't say anything to anybody. But this other brother came up to me after the meeting. You know, the meeting, the meeting was really good, really rich. And he said, oh, Ed, I got so much help from what that brother shared. <laughs> I was there. I was there. Praise the Lord. Wow. You know, don't despise anybody's function. You didn't get it. You didn't get it, but the guy over here got it. You know what I mean? Isn't that right? Okay, four. Every member has a definite place, a definite assignment, and a particular portion with which he serves the body of Christ. Five says, each member has his own characteristics, and each has his own capability. Isn't this wonderful? Saints, you have your own characteristics, you have your own capability. These characteristics constitute the place, position, or ministry of each member. When we say the ministry of each member, what we mean is the particular knowledge or experience that we've acquired from the Lord as a supply to the body. The particular knowledge or experience that we've acquired from the Lord as a supply to the body. Everyone has a particular supply, a particular knowledge of Christ that they have as a particular supply to the body. That is the ministry of a member, right? You know... uh, Brother Lee has used this example. Let's see, the meeting goes till 4, right? Am I right? 4 o'clock? 2 to, two to 4? Okay. Okay, I've I'm, I'm, got plenty of time. All right. Uh, you know, Brother Lee uses this example a lot. He said if the ear, the ear is a big member, you know, it has a, it has a big function to hear, right? But if the ear is bothered and the ear is irritated, what is, is the shoulder going to comfort it? No, no. The shoulder can't do anything, right? Who can do something? The little finger. Then the ear goes, praise the Lord. The finger, the finger shepherds the ear. Don't say the little finger doesn't have a function. Anyway, it's a marvelous illustration from, from the ministry. Okay, B, a basic requirement for the growth and development of the body is that we recognize our measure and do not go beyond it. And do not go beyond it. One says we must be willing to be limited by our measure. By our measure. Okay, listen to this. Romans 12.3 says, For I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to be sober-minded 
as God has apportioned to each a measure of faith. Each of us has a measure of faith. So we need to be sober-minded. It's, if, you're not, if your mind isn't renewed and you're, you're, not, and you're not sober-minded and you think you have a greater measure of faith than the Apostle Paul, that means there's something wrong with your mind. You, you see my point. And, and saints, we had, we had a turmoil in 88 because there were some among us who thought they had the same measure of faith. I'll just be honest with you. They thought they had the same measure of faith that Brother Lee had. Or even they thought they had more measure than Brother Lee had. Listen, to think that is crazy. I, I use the word crazy because I could show you in a book where it says crazy. Look, could, can any one of us write these notes? Do, is, that, is that our portion? Is this my portion? This is not my portion. My portion is to repeat these notes. Hallelujah! <laughs> you see, if you, if you think more highly of yourself than you ought to think, that destroys the proper order in the body. And it brings in turmoil. It brings in dissension. It brings in division. You see my point? You know, some brothers, you just realize these brothers are elders. They're just, they don't even have to be appointed to be elders. Actually, they may have been appointed to be elders, but they're elders because they have more maturity in life and because they have a special function. It's not that they're hierarchically above others. They're not. They're slaves to the saints. See, just when I come home, when I come home, I don't have a sign on me that says dad. Right? Everybody knows who the dad is. Even the dog knows I'm the dad. <laughs> Some dogs are amazing, man. They're just, they're good. Okay, two. Two says, as soon as we go beyond our measure, we listen to this. If you go beyond your measure, you, be, you go beyond the authority of the, he, the head and you move out from under the anointing. So you miss the anointing. You see, you miss the anointing. When you're in your measure, you've got the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Three, when we go beyond our measure, we interfere with the order of the body. We interfere with the order of the body. Don't go beyond your measure. Don't interfere with the order of the body. That's the reason for rebellion. Four, to think more highly of ourselves than we ought to think without a sober mind is to annul the proper order of the body life. I shared that. Okay, C says, like Paul, we should move and act according to how much God has measured to us. Staying within the limits of God's ruling, God's measuring. Paul refers to God as the God of measure. The God of, there is the God of encouragement, there is the God of peace, and there is also the God of measure. He measures out things to us. Paul says we will not boast beyond our measure, but according to the measure of the rule which the God of measure has apportioned to us, to reach even as far as you. So under this one says, when we give a testimony about our work, experience, or enjoyment of the Lord, we must testify within measure, that is, within a certain limit. Two, although we expect the work to spread, we must learn how to be under God's restriction. We should not expect a spread that is without measure. The Lord is spreading all over the, all over the earth. 
but we shouldn't expect a spread that's without measure because we're under the God of measure. You know, Paul went to Rome, but Paul never expected to go to Rome in chains. He went to Rome as a prisoner of the Roman Empire to spread the gospel to Rome and to raise up a church in Rome. You see, now now the church in Rome is being raised up again. Wow, praise the Lord! Oh, I just love that. I just love Hebrews 13, 24. Those in Italy greet you. Okay, uh, two. Although we expect the work to spread, we must learn how to be under God's, God's restriction. I think I read this. We should not expect a spread that is without measure. A under this says, if we spread the work according to the Spirit... There will always be a certain limit. A certain limit. In 2 Corinthians 2, 12-14, Paul said, When I came to Troas for the gospel of Christ, a door was opened to me in the Lord. Now what would we do? Here you come to a place, Troas, and the door is open, and it's not open by the enemy. It's not open by human means. The door was opened in the Lord. The Lord opened the door for the gospel. Naturally, we would say, let's go preach the gospel. The Lord opened the door. We're here. We're here. But the Lord said to Paul, stop. I don't, I don't want you to go through this door right now. So Paul said, I had no rest in my spirit. What governed Paul? It wasn't the open door. It was the rest in his spirit. His spirit, our spirit, is the center of God's economy. You see, and that's what limited Paul, was the rest in his spirit. Eventually he went forth into Macedonia. Then he says, thanks be to God who always leads us in the triumph in the Christ and manifests the savor of the knowledge of him through us in every place. In other words, we are in Christ's triumphal procession. We are conquered by Christ. We are Christ's captives. And where are we Christ's captives? In our spirit. And we don't go by the outward doors. We go by the rest in our spirit. That's a great thing. Those are great verses, 2 Corinthians 2, 12-14. Inwardly, we shall have the consciousness that the Lord intends to spread the work only to a certain extent. Inwardly, we do not have the peace to spread the work beyond a certain point. See, outwardly in the environment, the Lord may cause certain matters to restrict the spread of the work. The environment does not allow us to go beyond a particular boundary line. You know, we would have never expected. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the conferences that Paul gave? I mean, they must have been just tremendous to to be under a conference with Apostle Paul. One time Paul spoke all night. He was so filled with the Word, he spoke all night and somebody fell down from the rafters. He had to resurrect him. Can you imagine that? He was so filled. But, but what Paul's greatest work was when he was under his greatest limitation, was when he was imprisoned. He wrote all those prison epistles, right? And we wouldn't have them today if he wasn't under that kind of restriction and if he wasn't that, under that kind of limitation. You see that? So the more we go on with the Lord, I would say the older we get and the more we go on with the Lord, the more restricted and the more limited we become. 
But in that limitation is the Lord's blessing. In that limitation, there is revelation. In that limitation, there is the Lord's blessing for his body. So 3 says, in the church service, we need to realize that God has measured out only so much to us. And we should not overstretch ourselves. Don't overstretch yourself. God has measured out only so much to you. Okay, now we come to Roman numeral 3. Roman numeral 3 says, For the Lord's move in His recovery both locally and universally, we must take the lead to be body conscious in one accord. In one accord. Now Acts 1.14 says that they all continued steadfastly with one accord in prayer. The landmark that divides the Gospels from the Acts is not the baptism in the Holy Spirit, it's the one accord. The one accord is the master key to every blessing in the New Testament. The one accord. And what does the one accord mean? It means we have the same mind, we have the same will, we have the same purpose, we have the same soul, we have the same heart. So the one accord is the practice and application of the oneness. Now under this, A A says this, we should always consider the body, care for the body, Honor the body and do what is best for the body. I'll just say that much. Always consider, don't, don't just consider your locality. Consider the whole body. Care for the whole body. Honor the whole body. Do what is best for the whole body. Look at what B says. When Brother Nee taught about the body, he said that whatever we do, we have to consider how the churches would feel about it. How the churches would feel about it. There were two times in the church in Anaheim that I can remember within the last, I'm trying to think how many years, um, oh, maybe seven years, we were deciding to do, to do certain things twice. We were fellowshipping about doing certain things related to our meeting life, the way we arranged things in the church. And, and what we were fellowshipping about was not wrong, was not wrong. It was right. But when, when every time we fellowship, we always consider, how will the other churches feel about this? How will this affect the church in London? How will this affect the church in Moscow? How will this affect the church in Boston? The church in, uh, the church in Miami? You see, how will the other churches feel about this? You know, we did both times, we dropped what we were going to do. We just dropped it. Because we realized some churches may have a problem with this. They might say, what is the church in Anaheim doing? Or they might follow what we're doing and follow it in a wrong way. You say, you see what I mean? Not follow it intrinsically, but follow it outwardly and in a wrong way and veer off course. So you always have to consider how do the other churches feel about what you do? About what you do. See, in the body there can be no independence or individualism for we are members and members cannot live in detachment from the body. One, those who see that they are members of the body, treasure the body, and honor the other members, each of whom is indispensable. Saints, don't you love the members of the body? Amen. And, and, and it's so wonderful that we honor the other members of the body. We honor the other members of the body. Okay, A says, since we are members of the body of Christ, we should have a feeling for the body taking the feeling of the head as our own feeling. 
You see, I don't have this verse on here, but Colossians 2.19 says, Holding the head, out from whom all the body, being richly supplied and knit together by means of the joints and sinews, grows with the growth of God. When you hold the head, when you hold Christ as the head, that means you are intimately connected to Him. And when you hold Him as the head, you have a feeling for the whole body. Because He's the head. See the point? Then you have a feeling for all the members of the body. B says we need to be like sold in the body life, genuinely caring for the things of Christ Jesus, the things concerning the church with all the saints. Two says, wherever there is body revelation, there is body consciousness. And wherever there is body consciousness, individualistic thought and action are ruled out. If we want to know the body, we need deliverance not only from our sinful life and our natural life, but also from our individualistic life. Our individualistic life. You know... They used to have this song, I did it my way. I don't know what they had. Anyway, forget about it if you don't, you know. <laughs> Listen, to do it your way, is, is the, that's to do it the devil's way. There's no individualism in the, in the body life. There's no individualistic life in the body life. Look at what B says. Just as the Father is versus the world, the Spirit is versus the flesh, and the Lord is versus the devil so also the body is versus the individual. That's a powerful statement. See, just as we cannot be independent from the head, we cannot be independent from the body. D, individualism is hateful in the sight of God. The enemy of the body is the self, the independent I, the independent me. If we would be built up in the body, the self must be condemned, denied, rejected, and renounced. And two says, we should be dependent not only on God, but also on the body, on the brothers and sisters. I really like this. This picture in Exodus 17 is very marvelous. In Exodus 17, what you have is you have Moses on the mount and Joshua fighting Amalek in the, in the, in the valley. And you have, you have Aaron and Hur holding up Moses' hands. And when Moses' hands are held up, Joshua is winning the battle. When Moses' hands go down, Joshua is losing the battle. Okay, now what is this a picture of? Amalek typifies the flesh. Joshua signifies the fighting spirit. Moses signifies the ascended Christ. Aaron signifies the priesthood. Her signifies the kingship. But when Moses' hands become heavy... Christ's hands never become heavy, right? But when Moses' hands become heavy, Moses represents us. Now he represents us. So what do we need? We need to do what Aaron and Hur did. They put a stone under Moses so he could sit down. And listen, that stone, it means we need a stone to support us in our prayer. What that means is that in ourselves, we realize that we are weak And we need Christ to be our support to pray. Isn't that wonderful? And we need Aaron, the priesthood, for the exercise of our spirit. We need her, the kingship, so that we can be under Christ's authority. And when we have all of this, we have the building up of the body of Christ. We have the defeat of the flesh 
we have the victory of Christ over the flesh. Isn't that wonderful? We need someone to put a stone under us. We need people to hold up our hands so that we can pray. Now, in 2 Corinthians 11.33 and Acts 9.25, when Paul, was, when Paul was vindicating his apostleship, this is amazing. If you were going to vindicate your apostleship, you might say, oh, I went to this city, I preached the gospel, and 10,000 got saved, 8,000 got baptized. That shows I'm an apostle. Well, here's what Paul said. This shows that I'm an apostle. I'm an apostle. In a basket, I was lowered through a window through the wall and escaped his hands. <laughs> Acts 9.25 says, His disciples took him by night and led him down through the wall, lowering him in a basket. That's Paul. That's an apostle. You know what an apostle is? He's just like we are. Basket cases. <laughs> Listen, in the church life, you are either in the basket you are either in the basket and the brothers are lowering you down over the wall to escape the enemy. Right? Well, what are you going to do? Say, you're going to be an individual and say, oh, brothers, forget about it. I don't need you. I'll just jump. <laughs> and you break your legs, right? And the devil will come and, right, and get you. Right? So, you're either in the basket or you're on the other end of the basket. That's a church life. That's a church life. Church life is like this. Or it's like this. And sometimes you have to humble yourself to be in that basket. But that shows you're an apostle. Because that shows you are fully dependent on the body of Christ. Isn't that amazing? That he would boast about his apostleship in that way? Now let's finish up. He says, what I do not know, another member of the body will know. Oh, I just love that. I just love that. I don't know everything, but another member of the body will know. There are many times I've been sitting here, I've been listening to the testimonies, and, and what I didn't know, another member of the body knew in the testimony. What I cannot see, another member of the body will see. What I cannot do, another member of the, another member of the body will do. F says, if we refuse the help of our fellow members, we are refusing the help of Christ. Sooner or later, all individualistic Christians will dry up. You see, so the eyes, ears, hands, and feet of the body, they are Christ. And we have to acknowledge our need of them. We have to acknowledge our need of them. We must allow the other members of the body to minister to our needs. Because this is Christ ministering to our needs. Okay, now, brothers and sisters... uh, I would just like to read something to you in closing. And I've got ten minutes left, and I believe I can read this in, in at least in ten minutes, maybe less than ten minutes. But this was a letter written by Brother Lee to uh, Brother Benson Phillips and all the full-time serving brothers and sisters in Moscow about how to practice the church life, how to practice the body life. And... We felt that this letter was so priceless that we read it to all the elders and responsible ones. So I would like to read it to you. This shows how we should practice the God-ordained way in one accord to build up the body of Christ. Listen to this. It says, Dear Brother Benson and all the full-time serving brothers and sisters in Moscow, In one of your fax letters, you have asked me to fellowship with you about the steps you should take for the building up of the church in Moscow 
at the present stage. Now I feel burdened to fellowship with you about this matter as follows. According to the present situation of the church in Moscow, I feel strongly that all of you should pay full and extra attention to the following two things. One, to have home meetings in all the homes of the saints who have been baptized by you. To fulfill the purpose of feeding and nourishing the new ones as much as you all can, whether in the morning, in the afternoon, or in the evening, on any day. How to feed them and what material you should use to do this, it depends upon your realization of the present need of each of these new ones. However, regardless of what material you will use, your feeding and nourishing should be practical, living, rich, refreshing, and stirring up people. This is to accomplish the second step of the God-ordained way in building up the new believers. See, they already had thousands of new believers, and they needed to go on from getting to nourishing. Now, while you are carrying out the feeding of the new believers in their homes respectively, you have to get them prepared to attend the group meetings. In the group meetings, you must practice the common fellowship, the common intercession, the common care for each other, the common shepherding and mutuality. You also have to practice the common asking of questions and the common answering of questions in mutuality to perfect the believers by the common answers of questions in mutuality. This is the accomplishment of the, of the third step of the new way to equip all the members of the church that they may be able to prophesy in the bigger meetings of the church for the building up of the body of Christ through the building up of a local church. This is to accomplish the fourth step of the new way for the consummation of the Lord's purpose according to God's economy in His divine building. To reach this goal, you all need to labor and toil with much struggle and endeavor to accomplish the second step of feeding the new ones. You see, firstly, you have begetting, right? Then you have the second step of feeding the new ones. The third step of perfecting the believers. To lay such a foundation will take your time, and you should not expect to see a successful result in a quick way. Patience and endurance are required for such a toiling labor. Then all the believers will be perfected and made ready to speak for the Lord. First of all, you have to be enriched in your speaking for the Lord and in your speaking forth of the Lord, either in the home meetings for feeding or in the group meetings for perfecting, and even the more in the church meetings for prophesying. May the Lord's grace, even His abounding and multiplying grace, be with you all in your spirit and in your soul, your brother in Christ, witness me. We felt this was a real treasure, and we wanted to read it to all the elders and responsible ones. And I felt that it, it supplied an organic template with organic principles to build, up a lo- to build up the local churches in the Lord's recovery for the organic building up of the body of Christ and the preparation of the bride of Christ. Amen. Isn't that wonderful? Amen. Aren't you glad to be in the Lord's recovery? Amen. If you're glad to be in the Lord's recovery, let's stand up and say praise the Lord three times. Amen. Praise, praise the Lord!